0: It is Hour 2, The Game, The Game After Work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin. If you missed the first hour, hey, where you get your podcast? Just search for The Game, K-M-A-N. You'll find our uploads every day, Monday through Friday, as long as we do a show. And you'll be keeping up with the Cats and the game. So to come here in Hour number 2, we're going to hear from K-State First Baseman Roberto Pena. Number one song of the day, and ask us anything all coming up. I wanted to kick off this hour with a pretty cool little show announcement here. Uh, for the most part, it's just been us three for the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been missing one of our co-hosts, and that's David G. Of course, we still advertise his name on our on our you know our bumpers and stuff and our liners, and that's because he is he hadn't officially left the show. I'm very happy to announce that next week David G. will be making his return to the show. All right. Uh, his situation is he he had just recently had. His his wife, and he had a had another baby girl. Uh, God, and she's gosh, she's seven months, eight months yeah. now. Yeah. So take, took a break from the show. He's been playing daddy daycare in the afternoons. I was like, totally understand, man. Totally understand. But we got to talking earlier today. I was like, man, DG, Deej, I love <laughs> to have you back, man. I love to have you back. I think the show's missing just a little something without him that extra oomph, without DG. So we got to Tige he's like, all right, let me talk to Sarah. And I was like, hey, speaking of that, hey, Deuce Vaughn's a Dallas Cowboy. Give her a high five for me. <laughs> uh, and she's a big Cowboys fan. D- right. uh, DG likes the Chiefs. So we went home earlier today, talked to Sarah. They worked it out. I knew it'd have to be, like, not an everyday thing. Uh, because she also... Um, her work takes her out of town once in a while, so she needs DG around mm-hmm. to watch the kids. And so we worked it out. Or they worked it out, I should say. And he just relayed what they worked out to me. So DG is going to join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday
1: on All the show. Right. So
0: he'll be back with us starting on Monday. We actually won't have a show next Wednesday, but when um, Monday and Friday next week, he'll be back with us. So I'm I'm very happy. I mean, that's a K State guy through and through, mm-hmm. absolutely through and through. I think he has much better of a memory than I do when it comes to the Cats' history. He remembers very little things. I'm like, man, that's the extra oomph we need here on the show. So I'm glad DG's going to be making his return. That'll be coming up on Monday. I'm very excited for that. He's one of the more entertaining people I think we have in this entire station. So uh, just so glad to have him back. I think that's uh, outstanding. Outstanding news, no doubt about that. And then, (laughs) as we transition here, Bob Huggins yeah this is a story that has uh, certainly sweeped the sports nation this week, <laughs> as you know we learned a couple of days ago. Bob Huggins went on a radio show on news radio WLW in Cincinnati, talking to Bill Cunningham, and he used an anti-gay slur on the radio. Derogatory towards Xavier. calling them catholic blanks well west virginia president gordon gee or gordon g however is Mm -hmm. it gee it is gee uh has announced the punishments for bob huggins he will have his salary reduced by one million dollars and that will be donated to the lgbtq center in morgantown three game suspension which is kind of silly really Um, His contract is now year-to-year. Interesting. And he must make a substantial donation to Xavier University. Now, going back to the LGBTQ Center, the statement by West Virginia continued on to say that they will be partnering with the LGBTQ Plus Center to develop annual training sessions that will address all aspects of inequality, including homophobia, transphobia, sexism, uh, racism, xenophobia, and so on. Training and programs will begin. Uh, will require rather, Coach Huggins and all current and future athletic coaching coaching staffs to attend. And then next, West Virginia has, as they said, the highest percentage of transgender youth in the nation. I thought that was an interesting wow. uh, fact there. To address the concerns of our West Virginia youth, Coach Huggins will be required to meet with LGBTQ plus leaders from across West Virginia with guidance for the leadership of West Virginia's LGBTQ center. So there's a lot of training ahead and a lot of lectures ahead for Bob Huggins.
1: Go ahead. Uh, Just going to point out that one of the things that this does in terms of his salary It makes Neil Brown the highest-paid public employee in West Virginia. Does it really? In the state of West Virginia now.
0: And that's a guy that did not win six games last year. Exactly. Um, I was trying to think about that earlier. How did he he keep his job?
1: Well, you had a new AD coming in.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I know that's part of it, but... And I'm like <laughs> Yeah, how would you how would you like to be
1: the AD at West Virginia right now? Was
0: the win over Oklahoma State to get into five wins
1: enough? You you have to make a you have to make a call on Neil Brown, and then Bob Huggins sets you up on something like this. So Whew. this
0: this this brings up the question, is this punishment the right way to go? Or should they have fired? Bob Huggins has should West Virginia fired Bob Huggins for the homophobic slur that he used on Cincinnati radio. To be honest with you, I'm kind of pulled in both directions and I have, I've have kind of, you know, pros and cons, both sides of that. And, you know, this is just my opinion, but I absolutely feel that Bob Huggins is getting some special treatment here because of his legacy Because what he means to West Virginia, Mm -hmm. and there could potentially be some fear of you know outrage with the fan base, but I got to thinking, you know, first of all, what would be, what would be the response if Neil Brown did this? If Nikki Izzo Brown, the soccer coach, women's soccer coach, only one they've ever had, Randy Maisie, Mark Kellogg, what if they had done this? Would they get the same treatment? If it wasn't the homophobic slur, if it was a racist slur, what would be the response then? And I, you know, I think there, it's kind of taken on a different level. I think there's a different opinion maybe what the magnitude is between a racist slur and a homophobic slur. So I, I, I am torn. I'm not happy about the ignorance of Bob Huggins and how he was so comfortable on this radio show saying that yeah. word. That bothered me a lot. One of the
1: things that stands out to me throughout this entire incident is that there's an aspect of Bob Huggins' history that we're forgetting about. And that aspect of his history has to come as the point of being a champion for an underrepresented group. In the 90s, when he was the coach at Cincinnati – He fought tooth and nail for young men on his roster at a time that you had some administrators who were very uncomfortable with the players that he was bringing in because of the communities that they were from and the places that they grew up and the thoughts that they didn't match with what Cincinnati wanted on campus. It is easy to, to overlook that because that is a situation that has kind of lost been lost to time when you go back and you look at his tenure in Cincinnati, but it was behind what eventually did him in because he made his stand and he constantly made his stand on that for the benefit of his team, yes, but also for the benefit of those young men. And he got sideways of the school president and – Everything that went down with his heart attack and all of that played into, eventually, his ouster there. It's why that there were concerns coming off of his year away from the game, even when he took the job here at K-State. But he has always stood up, as it stands for RACE for those who have been underserved and underrepresented yes this is a horrendously bad look there is no good look from this entire incident no matter how you go about it even if you fire him it's a bad look honestly because the entire incident just lends itself to being an absolute no-win situation for everybody involved. And it's a bad look because it's an incident, first, that was egged on by the host of the radio show, and not so much Huggins. Huggins was reacting to what was asked of him and yes that's a flaw but if you're the host of that show you also don't lead him into that but bill cunningham being who he is
0: oh yeah i mean you got your know, mic and transgender people before huggins yes exactly what he said yeah exactly that, was, yeah. you said it's all horrible on. yeah Cunningham set him up. Maybe you've set him up, but I mean, Huggins still said it. He still yes. He was in a comfort zone that he was totally fine, just blurting it out. Yes. And didn't even think twice about it. No, that, that I, was very concerning and alarming to me.
1: I, I do agree with you there. And again, I it, this is a tough call to make. I, I don't think that there's any easy way to address this. Well, but I but I do think that you know, Huggins. For as frustrating as this entire situation is, and disappointing as this entire thing is, you know, I, I think it's it's another one of those cases where it's easy to fail to remember some of the history in other areas where he's been a tremendous champion for those who have not had the voice that he does.
0: Well, I'll get to the point here of you know, like I said, I I. I through my mind just kind of boggled all the pros and cons and cuz i you know I, I i don't really have like a true like mm-hmm. no doubt about it opinion about what should have been done mm-hmm. i'm just kind of i'm pulled apart here but i i i'm always i try to be very positive i'm i'm a forgiving person and so let me give you the reasons why i actually like this this punishment for bob huggins and it goes with him going through the sensitivity training, him working with the LGBTQ center, because I'm hoping he learned something. Let me, let me share with you um, a personal story here. So in my family, on my dad's side, I have a transgender cousin. On my mom's side, I have a gay cousin. When they came out, it was, my family handled it extremely well. Very well. I was very proud of that. Because there are so many out there in, the, in this community in this, or I should say, the LGBTQ community, that don't get that love. But the magnitude and the hate that that particular F-word brings mm-hmm. to those that are in that community is extremely hurtful. It's as hurtful as you can get verbally. To share a more personal story, and I've shared this once before, but it's been a long time. I've been on the show for nine years. When I was 13 years old, a group of us had been friends for a long time in Morganville. Small community, all the kids know each other, but there was like a group of five or six of us that always hung out. And one of those in that group, in a wide range of ages, like I was probably the youngest actually at 13. We had you know guys in high school, that, it was all guys. One of them who was 16 years old came out as a gay. We were all very okay with that i mean cuz think this is 2004 mm-hmm. 2004 that kind of lingo was actually you know it was it wasn't frowned upon it definitely wasn't what it is today right as in unacceptable people use it in their everyday discussions calling each other this gay slur so we go out camping one night and it's the summer of 2004 and there were some other kids that lived in in Morganville that were not okay with this. There was a Vietnam veteran that always threatened to kill this kid whenever mm. he showed up to our friend's house who lived right mm. across the street. So this one night we go out camping, and it's night. Me and this kid that came out of his gate, we're going to go lock the gate because it was a, you know, it was a gated pasture, and then we're going to head back to the camp. We get out there, and as we get to the gate, a car starts pulling up. and like, nobody should be pulling up this drive right now. So we actually just start walking away. And then the people start getting out, and we notice who it is. And it's the kids that have been threatening them at school. Mm -hmm. They get out. He tells me, go hide. So I go into the timber a little bit and hide, but I can still see everything. They get out of the car. They take a beer bottle and and bash Mm -hmm. him over the head with it. Mm -hmm. It did not break. I'll never forget the sound. Mm -hmm. The sound sounded like a wooden baseball bat hitting a ball. Right. And then they start stomping him. And kicking him. And guess what word they were using Mm -hmm. to bash him even more? You blanking blank. So I saw firsthand how far that word can go. Mm. I'll never forget that day. What you get out of this punishment from West Virginia And of course, I'm not saying like, you know, Bob Huggins beat anybody up. That's absolutely not what I'm saying at all. But he obviously doesn't understand the hurt that word can bring to somebody. Correct. And so this is an opportunity to hopefully teach Bob Huggins exactly what that word means to certain individuals and how hurtful it can be. Using that F word, that anti-gay word, is about as demeaning and harsh you can get towards them because there's a long history Mm -hmm. of gay people being hurt, being killed, because there's individuals that didn't agree with who they are and don't understand how hard it is to be those individuals.
1: We celebrate my... Nisa's graduation coming up on Saturday. She's currently the president of Saga on campus, Sexuality and Gender Association. One of her areas of study is queer history. She's going on to get a PhD and a master's. And it is so insightful to sit down and realize the History that goes well beyond even what we are discussing, when you realize that these are things that this that we as a species have had in you know it just part of a day to day run of life and how it's been treated over time, and yet we are still at a point where it's easy to denigrate, it's easy to criticize, it's easy to bully, it's easy to argue that it's unnatural, even though history will show otherwise. There, the, the fact that we are at a point, again, though, where it has to be addressed in a way like this in the sports world, is a reminder that we still have so much to learn, that we still have a ways to go. And it's, it's sad that it has to be a topic again. And especially from someone who, honestly, is a Hall of Fame coach and has done the things that I mentioned. He's, shoot His tenure at West Virginia, for the most part, has been controversy-free. Realize how long he's been there. What other controversy have we really had to talk about about Bob Huggins? There were the controversies at Cincinnati, yes. But at West Virginia, there's been little.
0: Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's a black guy now on oh, on, yeah. on Bob Huggins' reputation and also you know just the reputation of West Virginia. I mean, it's going to be smeared for a while. Only yes. history will tell us how this plays out, if this was a good way to go about it or not. You know, I, I would imagine, and I, just my opinion, you know, I think this will all work out for the better. I look forward to seeing Bob Huggins in pride parades supporting the LGBT commu- community in any way he possibly can. Um, but, you know... There are still some out there that don't want him a part of West Virginia, thinks it's a bad look. And I I totally understand that because it's been yeah. a fight. It's been scratching and clawing just to get equal rights for these people. And, also, you know, it, it, it goes for women. It was a fight to get equal rights. For black people, it was a fight to get equal rights. You know, It's, it's still a fight. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's still a fight. Yeah. So, again, like I said, I can see a very bright positive out of this and that's at least teaching somebody to turn around their ignorance and realize how hurtful that can be and that's
1: all you can ask in a situation where again it is the first real controversy that he's had at that school that's the way i'm going to look at it they haven't had a reason to be this upset at him over the tenure that he's had there
0: second chances speaking of no controversy Pete Hughes as his uh, K-State Pete. baseball team. Riding high right now. A chance at a Big 12 championship. When we come back, we're going to hear from one of his best players on the team, first baseman and slugger, home run hitter, Roberto Payne. We took it all. We brought them to our land.
1: An endless night. amber hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth.
0: I know, I know we're not allowed to play, like, copyright music anymore because of the way we're doing the podcast now, but, man, it just feels weird not hearing the lyrics to this song. <laughs> I'm hearing all the lyrics in my head. I'm back to the game, Mitch, Trey, Troy. Here from Roberto Peña here in just a moment. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything coming up as well. Made the announcement earlier in the hour. David G. going to be making his return to the show starting on Monday. He'll be joining us on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for the foreseeable future. want to congratulate Keontae Johnson being invited to the NBA Combine. And by the way, K-State baseball still in bracketology as a three seed. But now not going to Fayetteville. They're going to Nashville, according to D1 Baseball. Yeah, Vanderbilt is a very serious baseball program. They may stink at football, baseball's the opposite. They are they've been good at baseball for a while. I remember uh where were we going? I think uh, cuz I was with baseball Oh, we were going to we were going to fly into Houston. Um and uh, we ran into Vanderbilt. And of course, they're in suits, nice luggage. I was like, yep that that seems like Vanderbilt. Looking to the nines, gotta wear their nice clothes to travel like it's nineteen sixty.
1: Even worse about having to go to Nashville and play at Vanderbilt would be having to put up with the Whistler. Oh yeah, I forgot uh-huh. about that guy, the Whistler. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I was like,
0: if if the Batcats went to Fayetteville, I'd probably I'd be like, Troy, you want to go? Uh, let's go do the show in in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Go watch the Batcats in a, in a regional.
1: I've been through a couple of rain delays in that park.
0: I've never actually uh, been to Fayetteville. Even though it's not that far away, I like I, I have the goal. I like I want to see a college football game in every FBS stadium. Yes, and of course, Arkansas would be. You know, if I can make it down yep. there for like a bye week or something for the Cats and go watch an SEC football game. And I've, I haven't been to Columbia, Missouri mm-hmm. yet, so I'm going to try to go this year. Um, but no, I haven't. Paul said he was in Fayetteville for Garth Brooks like last year, and he said there's like. The roads are so narrow, there's nowhere to park. He complained about it. I was like, geez louise, call Paul. Right. All right, let's get to uh, Roberto Pena, first baseman for the Bat-Cats. He is uh, leading the team with 15 home runs on the year, and he's one of the main pieces to have K-State in this position two games back in the Big 12 standings, and by the way, ranked number 15 in the country. It is finals week. Uh, Roberto, how many uh, how many finals are you dealing with this week?
2: Uh, just one on
0: Friday. What class is it? Communications. Ah, uh, you, are you wanting to be a broadcaster? Uh, maybe. Well, hey, I know some people. Can maybe get your foot in the door. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Can I a smile for the package. Being from Venezuela, I was reading that you, you moved to Miami at the age of 11. What brought you to the USA?
2: Uh, well, just the situation the country of Venezuela has, and it's been had for past uh, probably like fifteen years. Dangerous country it's insecure. The insecurity is in- incredible over there. So we just moved to the United States for, for my dad me and my dad moved to the United States for us to be better off uh, of he wanted me to graduate over here. So we moved to Miami when I was eleven. And we've been living there since, ever since.
0: Well it says also in your bio that you made the Venezuelan national soccer team at the age of eight. How young was this team?
2: Oh, we were young. It was uh the eight year national soccer team. Yeah, I made it out of my school. I, I used to stay after school and play soccer and I guess a scout in soccer looked at me and saw me and asked me to go to child, so I went and then I made the team. So yeah, I love to study my state in Venezuela for for a whole
0: year. How long did you play soccer? When did you transition into baseball or start playing baseball?
2: Oh, no, I started playing baseball when I was three, and then I started playing soccer when I was seven. So I played soccer just for two years, seven through eight. Wow, I'm still playing baseball. But, yeah, I only played soccer for two years. Just I don't know, Just I guess I liked it for two years. I guess it was one of the years that it was the, the World Cup. But I really got into it when I was new, and I was good at it, actually. I was better than I was – I was good at soccer than I was at baseball, but I've always liked baseball better, so that's why I decided to just stick with baseball.
0: Well, you've played at three different colleges in Florida, and now you're here at K-State. Uh, and I know that, you know the schools you went to in Florida, I mean, they weren't too far apart from each other, but also living in Miami, so you've kind of lived all over. What is the ideal place? Like, where is the ideal place to live in, in Florida, in your opinion?
2: Ooh, I'll say definitely Miami. Just the beaches, the people, the weather, food, the, the different cultures down there. I, I think Miami has it, uh, has everything. Out of the schools I went to in Florida, definitely Tampa. Just, it's like, it's not in Miami, but not as, not as crowded as as many people, but it's still beautiful crazy, with beautiful beaches and, uh, foods and different cultures too, but, out of the schools I went to, definitely Tampa.
0: When you got to Kansas, what was your first impression of Kansas? I'm sure it was—it's quite different.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what I was gonna—I was walking into because I never visited. I just committed. I never visited. I just saw the the, the baseball facilities through video. But you know, Kansas has really go- uh, Manhattan, Kansas has really gone on The small town, beautiful, nice people all around uh nice people in Miami for sure. Uh, <laughs> just a happy place, you know. It's, uh, the fans are awesome here. We love to have them at the, at the games, and, you know, we play for them.
0: Speaking with K-State first baseman Roberto Pena here on the game. So with K-State now showing, Branc- uh, showing up in bracketology, I mean, what was your guys' reaction to finally being at least recognized by, like, D1 baseball of showing up in bracketology for postseason baseball. Were you guys like it's about time you guys are recognizing us or what was the reaction?
2: I mean, yeah, we uh our goal from the beginning of the fall has been uh Omaha and uh we preached it every day at practice and and every game and uh we know that we can play with anybody in the in the country and we can compete with them. So we've known like within ourselves that we we're we national tournament team a national Program, but it feels nice to be finally recognized, you know. And uh, we have a big weekend coming up that's gonna keep proving us right and proving them wrong. So we're gonna keep making a run for this, and uh, hopefully, we can host the regional here at the tournament.
0: Well, you've been very impressive in your in your one year here at K State. You're third in the Big Twelve with 15 home runs. You're getting close to breaking the single season record for K State. You also have 55 RBIs. You're seventh in slugging percentage. Did you make any changes to your game or any adjustments? Uh, heading into this year that have now shown off your results,
2: I mean, yeah, getting pitches that I can handle and drive instead of uh just is that are pitches pitches pitch, and making soft contact. I'm just looking for a pitch that I can handle and draw through the gas, and uh it's been paying off uh running a scoring position, I just try to slow the game down too, and uh do my job No I roll for that at bats instead of playing with less i hours just put it in play from. On the first pitch, but it's just good adjustments that I've got to know uh, to through Coach weights that uh, they've been paid off, and hopefully they keep uh, they keep coming.
0: How long have you been batting for power and been such a hitter of the nukes?
2: Uh, since my sophomore year in college, I think I grew. I that's what I grew, and I that's the strongest. So, better hitting home runs then. And I think it's been uh, I've been pretty consistent hitting home runs since. But well, in high school, I didn't have that much power. I was more of a double double hitter. Maybe I'm equal. I think I only hit five home runs most of the high
0: school. Well, and I promise you, nobody uh, no of your future opponents are listening to this. Do you have a uh, preferred pitch and placement when it comes to your sweet spot?
2: I'd say fastball, probably uh, up a little bit, middle. middle. Middle up. You know, something that I could drive and get elevated with or – a hanging curve would be nice too, but people approach me uh, different teams approach me differently, so I gotta make adjustments to that. So doesn't matter if this goes from because 'cause I'll have to make an adjustment anyway, so this weekend. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun going up there and competing for uh, that second second, maybe first team in the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been a decade. It's been ten years since K State's had this opportunity to to win a Big Twelve championship and the Cats are Two games back with two weekends to go. And same thing for West Virginia, who's in the lead right now. And the, you, you guys have already played West Virginia. But who's the pressure on? Is the pressure absolutely on West Virginia? You guys are just trying to stay alive and stay in the hunt?
2: I mean, yeah, I think the pressure is on them. Because uh, it's not only else coming from them, for, for them. It's Everybody in the big 12th, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, I think, this plays, they're all like, within a game or so. So it's not only us coming for them, it's a lot of people stepping in their heels. So we're just, I don't think there's pressure on us. We know what we could do. We've done the hard work already. So we just got to go out there, have fun, and do our thing and ex- execute. But we have to, and just uh, at least four or five ball games this next two weekends. And we'll see where we stand there. But we're feeling good about, about what's ahead of us with our opponents, and we're looking forward to it.
0: Well, Roberto, if you have any interest in doing some play-by-play for some baseball, I know some people that can get you in a booth uh, as soon as you're done with baseball, but I'm sure – are you wanting to play professional baseball if you get the opportunity?
2: Yeah, I'll be well. That's a goal.
0: All right, well, Roberto, I really appreciate your time. I know it's finals week, and I appreciate you squeezing me in. So, uh, best of luck this weekend against uh, Oklahoma State, and thank you for your time.
2: Thank you.
0: That's K-State first baseman Roberto Pena here on The Game. We'll take a timeout. Your number one song of the day after these words. What is your guys' favorite daytime talk show?
1: Is. Current. Was. Ever. All time. All
0: time. So, (laughs) I've brought this up before, but I'm just always so intrigued by when Maury does you are not the father like the the build-up and the guy going nuts when he's not the father i mean it's hard to beat that really so i might have to go
1: maury and in my case we didn't grow up with that it was merv griffin or it was donahue predating oprah
0: i prefer merv griffin's uh oh yeah game shows over anything
1: well there's that too but merv's was more of a variety show along the lines of what the Tonight Show was, just that it was in the daytime.
0: So I went with that. Yeah. but You never like watched Springer, like, spring. I think Springer was more of an afternoon show. I'm, I'm kind of thinking like morning time, like Sally Jesse Raphael or no. Geraldo or no those kinds.
1: No, and, and most Donoghue. of those. Donahue. Well, and by the time that most of those came on to the scene, you know, I'm already in high school and. I was looking to do other things, and honestly, you would laugh at this, but we used to tape Letterman
0: and watch it back in the mornings. I'm going to go Maury. Trey, do you have one? Um, as a child of cable, I never watched any sort of <laughs> normal daytime television. I would just
1: watch Nicktoons or Disney yep. Channel or whatever and just constant kids entertainment all day long, so.
0: All right, Troy, what question did you come up with? Burnt ends or brisket? Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, burnt ends are the trimmings, of course, the end. Yes. If I had to pick one, the thing is, like, man, my dad makes a mean brisket. I can't get past that, although I think burnt, burnt ends make a great sandwich. I'm going to go brisket. If it's smoked correctly, if it's got a great bark, I'm going brisket. And I'm with you on that.
1: My, my wife would go burnt ends. Either way, <laughs> all barbecues the same to me. Old pork. The
0: same. You know what's underrated at barbecue places? They're wings. When they smoke wings. Yes. I've never been to a bad stop for barbecue when they got good wings. All right. We're out of here. We're back for a full two tomorrow for Trey, Troy, Mitch. Go Cats.